This is People Every Day. Coming up. I don't hold grudges. I, I think it's a uh, wasted uh, energy. People sits down with the Bidens for their very first White House interview. Plus, the surprises and snubs from today's Golden Globe nominations. It's February 3rd. Hey, everyone. Welcome to People Every Day, presented by Macy's. I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein. And guess what day it is? It's Wednesday, (laughs) hump day. So we're halfway there. And it is an exciting day here at People. We just released our new issue, Hitting Stands, this week with none other than the 46th President of the United States, Joe Biden, and First Lady Dr. Joe Biden gracing the cover for their first ever White House sit-down interview. Coming up, I talked to our esteemed politics editor, Sandra Soberai Westfall, who chatted with the first couple about everything from uh, unpacking their bags to the biggest challenges facing the country. But first, I'm joined by my People Movies editor, colleague, and friend, pop culture enthusiast, Jillian Telling, to quickly get into these Golden Globe nominations that dropped this morning. How are you, Jillian? I'm good. So, okay, break it, break it down. What is surprise? I, all I just keep hearing is Netflix, 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 Netflix. Like, w- w- what what are the big themes that come out of these nominations? Well, streaming is dominating. Netflix, for sure, is dominating. They've got tons of nominations. Amazon as well. Um, but, you know, what's interesting is who didn't make the cut to me this morning. Mm. And I'm going to go right in on the snubs because this was a big one for me. And this was Spike Lee. He got shut out for Defy Bloods as a director. None of his actors got nominated. I don't know if this was because the movie came out last February um, or was it last March, but sort of at the beginning of the pandemic and maybe people think that it's too old. But the thing that must sting is that his kids, his son and daughter, are going to be this year's Golden Globe um, ambassadors. So that's crazy. Oh, that's a mess. You gotta, I mean, at least a little something. <laughs> I if you, know. If you know. And it was such good acting. You had Jonathan Majors. You had Delroy Lindo. You know, you had all these people. Um, Chadwick Boseman, of course, although he's nominated Chadwick for Ma Boseman. Rainey. So Chadwick, at least, is nominated for Ma Rainey. And, and Ma Rainey got a lot of nominations as well, which is great. And then tell me a little bit about when it comes to Netflix, like what were the big ones for that? Like I, I, I go on there and, and it just seems like everything is so watchable. But what, what were the ones that really stood out for the Golden Globes this year? Uh, Mank, um, starring Gary Oldman, I had Amanda Seyfried. That one got six nominations. See, I haven't even seen that one. I have to... <laughs> what? I mean, am I allowed to admit that I haven't seen that one either? But, you know, I'm going to rush <laughs> home and do it today since everybody seems know, to love it. Um, so, yeah, that got six nominations. So that will probably take home something. You had Aaron Sorkin's The Trial of the Chicago 7. So a lot of these movies were going to be theatrical releases. And then, of mm-hmm. course... Um, those shut down. So Netflix and Amazon, they bought them um, for the rights. So I think that that's partially why the streaming services are... Um, it's just a takeover. Right. It's not it's necessarily originals. Although in the TV department, their Netflix originals, Ozark, Queen's Gambit, um, those Ooh, Queen's got nominated Gambit. So that well. was a big one. Yeah. I watched that one. <laughs> I know. I love that one. Oh my God. And The Crown, of course. The Crown got nominated. Oh, and I, and, and there's one other that I found really interesting. Helena Zingle. Yeah. Who's like 12. Oh my God. Is nominated, right? Yeah. So that was a big surprise because she's definitely the youngest nominee. Then meanwhile, Tom Hanks, who, you know, is usually an awards darling, he got shut out this year. So um, yeah. no Tom Hanks, yeah. no Meryl Streep, no Kate Winslet. But of course, you do have your Frances McDormand because... 
you can't have an awards show without Frances McDormand. And she's nominated for Nomadland. And you know what's exciting, though, this year is there's three different female directors that were nominated for movies. And as we know, that is a rarity. And Regina King being one of them and Chloe Zhao being another who's Chinese. So it's not just women, but it's, you know, a diverse range of of females as well. So that's pretty cool. Good on you, Golden Globes. Yeah. I love it. And I'm so excited. Even I'm I'm just with Helena Zengel, like I'm still stuck on her being 12. Like and the fact that we got to talk to her um, recently is is really exciting. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to Regina King, all of it. Jillian, thank you so much for taking me through this. I hope you have a good one. No problem. You too. Bye, Janine. I cannot express how excited I am for this story. My colleague, Sandra Soberai Westfall, has been covering politics at People for nearly two decades. Uh, She's basically our chief White House correspondent and has interviewed numerous sitting presidents, including Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama. I I remember being at the second Obama inauguration, and you kind of look up, and and she's there, seated not too far from the podium. And, and, And just this last week, she was granted the first ever White House interview with our newly minted President Joe Biden and First Lady Dr. Jill Biden, who graced the cover of this week's issue. Sandra, I am so happy to have you on. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, if you've ever moved before, you know it takes a while to get settled. (laughs) But you were there at the White House just seven days into President Biden's stay. Like, what was the vibe like? Set the scene for us. You know, it's funny because um, I used to work in the West Wing, so would report there every day for for work. And it struck me how a lot of the new Biden team, even though some were holdovers from the first White House, um, they were still unused to how things worked, like where you need to get through the Secret Service uh, checkpoints and stuff like that. And it extended even to the Bidens, where you got this feeling like it's still so new, they're not sure where stuff is or how <laughs> stuff works. Um, you know, Dr. Biden didn't have her own hair and makeup person. Um, neither did the president for powder or anything like that. But Dr. Biden wandered into the blue room like 20 minutes early. No entourage around her um, said hello. And we did a little chit chat. And then the president kind of walks in and he was unlike I'd ever seen him before. He was very antsy, very um, preoccupied. And he kind of just comes striding right up to me and says, you know, how long is this going to take? Because I I need to get back to the Oval. And I thought, well, sir, you have staffed (laughs) to tell you, um, to brief you on how long this is going to take. But, um, you know, it just, it it felt like they kind of didn't realize that they now command the whole apparatus that is the White House. And then, frankly, you know, they had the White House resident staff unpack for them as they were doing, you know, just event after event after event. And and Jill was even Zooming with 11,000 teachers union members to try to get them on board for the COVID relief package that her husband was putting together. And she just had so many events each day that they started there. I said to her, you haven't unpacked or settled in. She said... (laughs) Truly, I don't, I, we're still looking for things. She said, I cannot find where they put my black cashmere sweater. So 
Oh, my gosh. I love that. I mean, yeah, they're terribly busy. Dozens of, of executive orders in like the first few days. Like, I, I can see why they don't have time to unpack. And, and he even said, like, just how surreal this whole experience has been for him. Let's listen into what the president had to say about this, this new normal. Well, it's surreal, but it's, it's, it's comfortable. Oh, we are in a, you know, we were here for eight years as vice president, not in this part of the residence. We've been a lot. Uh, spent a lot of time here and in the cabinet room and in the Oval with the president, but upstairs is new. <laughs> and we found it uh, kind of surreal when we, uh, it didn't seem like uh, that much was changing, including the inauguration until we walked through the door with our grandkids. And it was like, oh, yeah. I guess things have changed. <laughs> but the staff has been so, so great. Uh, you know, trying to make it feel like home for us. And so they, we have family pictures all around in our books and, you know, things that we brought from home, some furniture. So a lot of it feels like home. That's so sweet. And, and, and he checked on the garden as well. That was another great point, right? Just checking on President um, Barack Obama, well, the First Lady's garden that she had set up during that presidency. Right. Well, this is such an inside Washington story, but um, I actually play words with friends with Michelle Obama's chief of staff because, um, you know, I'm always sort of checking myself on what people are interested in hearing from the folks that I interview, you know, not relying on just what I'm interested in. So in the chat on Words with Friends, I asked um, this woman, you know, do you have any burning questions for the Bidens? And she said, you know, honestly, I'd love to know how Mrs. Obama's garden is doing. And so during the photo shoot, I asked the the Bidens in sort of a lull um, how the garden was doing. And Dr. Biden just lit up and she said, oh, we've eaten vegetables vegetables from the garden. I wandered down into the kitchen the other day and there was a big basket of cauliflower and radishes. <laughs> and then um, I told her that it was the chief of staff um, who had asked me to ask her about it. And she says, oh, you should tell her and Michelle to come by anytime to help themselves to vegetables. And so um, just yesterday, Mrs. Obama put on Instagram a picture of a big basket of vegetables from the garden that Dr. Biden oh. sent over <laughs> with a note. So I like to think that that was a little bit of people magazine magic that happened there. Coming up after the break, more from my interview with Sandra on the Bidens. Stay tuned. Okay, so so one of the most interesting parts, I think, of the interview um, was your discussion with him about the former President Trump and, and how he's reconciled everything that happened during the campaign. Um, let's take a listen to what he had to say about that and, 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 and dig into that a little bit. I, I have a, it's always kind of a joke in the family and even on the staff. I don't hold grudges. I, I think it's... Uh, it's wasted uh, energy. No, I, no, I mean, for real. Uh, I, I don't. And, uh, um, you know, I, uh, I just, I take people for where they are and what they do and, and, and try to move on. I think that, uh, you know, you know, it's just not worth the time. But you, you said recently, um, to CNN the other day 
that um, that Donald Trump has to stand trial in the Senate on the impeachment charges. Um, otherwise, there would be a worse effect if it didn't happen. What, well, what worse effect are you well, thinking? Well, I was referring to, they asked me whether or not they thought the trial should go forward. They didn't ask me whether or not he should have been impeached. He was impeached by the House. And it has to move forward. Otherwise, it would come off as farcical what this was all about. Uh, I'm not making, I, I, I'm no longer in the Senate, obviously. And uh, I don't know what was likely to, uh, to happen. It's probably not likely that you get 17 Republicans to change their view and, and, uh, and convict on impeachment. But I think it's important that uh, there be certain basic standards that people at least uh, mm-hmm. are able to see what happened and make their own judgments. I'm not looking for any uh, um, retribution. I'm not looking. It's just my job is to try to heal the country, move us forward, because I think we have so many opportunities as a country. I really do. I've never been more optimistic in my life about the prospects of the country. And uh, so, but I was responding to the question, should, the, in a sense, the trial go forward? To say now, no, after the, I don't think that makes a mockery of the system. He just he comes off so positive and and forward thinking, despite how insane that that campaign run was and and, and everything that he's up against. Right. You know, I I thought I had sort of like the magic bullet question because he's you know, he's a devout Catholic and um, forgiveness is a big theme. So it occurred to me nobody had yet asked him, like, does he personally forgive Donald Trump for the lies about his family, the attacks on his family? And 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 and, and looking, you know, we're, we're we were talking with my producer like this today. It's, it's Bo Biden's birthday. It would have been Bo Biden's birthday. Um, his son and the, his whole family just got, you know, really really attacked. Right. And, and, you know, they, the, the Trump campaign and the president himself, former president, um, really went after everything personal. Um, you know, President Biden's mental status and his stamina, um, not to mention, um, his, his son Hunter. So I, I thought that would be a good question. And could he forgive Trump? And I was surprised by, him saying, you know, I, I don't hold grudges and I don't want retribution, but that he also said, you know, pretty much that there has to be consequences and the trial has to, to play out. Um, but personally, I, I did think it was noteworthy that he didn't use the word forgive. Mm, okay. You know, I don't hold grudges and I don't want retribution, but he did not say that he, because forgive is the word that I used. Got it. And, and he definitely did not forget. Um, but with everything he's focusing on and what's in front of him, like he just does have this energy. I don't know what it is that that everyone can kind of feel. And I know uh, Dr. Jill brought it up to you as well, saying like, you know, during listening to his speech, being at the inauguration, that is what just personally uh, inspired her. And I, I love when she cuts in during this interview because you can tell that there is just so much love there and they're so in love, even after 43 years together. Uh, let, let's listen to a little bit of how he talks about her, because it's so sweet. Jill came along at a really important point and put the family back together. I mean, she's the glue that held it together. And and uh, her mom and dad, I mean, I, I, I knew um, that I wanted to marry her shortly after I met her. And that's not a joke, everybody. One of <laughs> your former colleagues 
uh, was doing an event on, uh, we were, I was doing an interview in the executive office building uh, when I first became vice president. It was Valentine's Day, and the night before, she, Jill got the maintenance people to bring a 16-foot ladder in, and she took that stuff with that kind of paint the kids use in their school. Poster paint. Poster paint. And she put in every pane. There's like 20 panes in each of these big four windows that are 15 feet high. And she drew hearts and says, Joe loves Jill. <laughs> Not Jill loves Joe. And so we're coming down those steps. The press is coming down. And I got a phone call. My press, the person got a phone call saying, when I go on, I think it was CBS the next morning on Valentine's Day. I said, and they said, do it. So I went on. It was uh, a reporter. We're sitting there getting ready for the interview. You know, it was it was dark in the room uh, on the in the second floor of the of the executive office building, and we're kind of knee to knee back when we didn't have to wear a mask. And and uh, <laughs> the reporter looked at me and she said, uh, "Everybody says you and your wife have a great love affair." And I said, I think so. But I said, everyone knows she, I love her more than she loves me. And she looked at me and said, that's what everybody says. <laughs> that's what everybody <laughs> says. But at any rate, so, but it really, you know, it's it's not that we don't fight and argue sometimes. But uh, I don't know. I just think I'm just lucky. Well, after 43 years of marriage, there's really not that much more to fight about. <laughs> what, Sandra, like, what is their 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 interpersonal kind of like just vibe alike? Because I'm trying to picture being there and seeing them together. Are they as cute as they sound? Oh, yeah. You know, he was, they were holding hands. He had his hand on her knee. Um, a lot of like laughing, tilting their heads into each other. But I will say that I thought Dr. Biden, um, she was different than I remembered her as well. Um, she seemed very aware of making sure that he was seen as the president's. Mm. Not deferential, really, but, you know, at one point she apologizes for interrupting um, to jump in with something. Whereas, you know, I think before, you know, she she was a lot would be a lot more playful and, and assertive in that way. But she seemed to really want to make sure that he sort of shined as the president. Um, you know, she's a great practical joker. So that story of the the her painting his windows. Um, I'd heard that before. Um, I wasn't going to stop him and interrupt him myself to tell him that, but I asked <laughs> at the end, you know, uh, Dr. Biden, you're a great practical joker. You know, what do you have? Have you pulled any pranks yet here in the White House? And and the president goes, oh, geez, don't give her any ideas. <laughs> Jokes in the White House? I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. We'll, we'll, see how, we'll see how this goes. Lastly, I just want to know, what, what do they say about how this new life is affecting their relationship, is affecting their world at all. Because I, I love that note about how she, you know, she is kind of seeing the weight of his role and, you know, a, kind of adjusting accordingly. Did they say anything about, or do you feel anything about how this is going to have an impact on them per, as a couple? I asked them um, about, you know, we've seen so many political marriages crumble. So when that's the case, I said, how is it that you have survived so much? You know, the, the Joe Biden losing his first wife and baby daughter in the car crash and then losing Bo Biden. So how is it that you're still together and so strong um, as a couple? And um 
Dr. Biden said something she's like, there's this quote, we sometimes grow stronger in the fractured places. And that's what we've tried to achieve. So they've, they've consciously um, tried to kind of pull each other through the tough times. And you could see that. That was People's Sandra Soberai Westfall. For more on her interview with the Bidens, pick up this week's issue of People on Stands Friday and head over to People.com and People TV for exclusive video. Before you jump, a little something to make you smile. Leave me alone. <laughs> Leave me alone. That is four-year-old Milan Marie singing the impromptu quarantine song, I Didn't Know I Needed. Her mom filmed her belting it out from her car seat and posted it to Instagram, and it's now amassed over 300,000 views. Just like us, babies deserve a little me time. (laughs) That's all for today. Talk to you tomorrow. 